Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It's good to be with you this morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Tuesdays, we always remember the guardian angels. Each one of us has a guardian angel. Pray often to your guardian angel asking these heavenly companions for help. Today is also the memorial of one of the great saints of the Catholic Church, St. Francis de Sales, bishop and doctor of the church. His powerful preaching brought back a reported 40 to 70,000 Protestants back to the Catholic faith in the early 17th century. St. Francis de Sales also wrote the classic Introduction to the Devout Life and his writings on the spiritual life have proved highly influential. He's also the patron saint of journalists and other writers. I want to bring in our morning air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are some of the big stories that you are keeping an eye on? on here uh, making headlines on this uh, Tuesday morning. Sadly, guys, yet another mass shooting in California, this time in Northern California, Half Moon Bay, just south of San Francisco. An elderly suspect, they say, turned himself in. They believe he acted alone and is cooperating with police. Seven people killed at a couple different locations there. This on the heels of 11 killed in Southern California and a shooting Monday that left one dead and seven injured uh, in part of the Bay Area in Oakland as well. And so... Uh, Sad times, uh, guns involved, and uh, more calls for for gun control in California, too. Uh, Glenn, do we know anything at this point uh, of the motive of either one of uh, these shootings? No, I hope to before too long, but uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, perhaps some coworkers at one time involved in this one today, the latest. Yeah, it just seems like there's such a disrespect uh, for uh, human life uh, these days. It's just, uh, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, on the heels of uh, trying to celebrate life with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, that uh, decision in Italy coming out just over 50 years ago. The Vice President Kamala Harris talking about that in Tallahassee, Florida, and uh, leaving out a couple of the, uh, the, the famous parts of the Declaration of Independence. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That's uh, a pretty uh, astonishing, uh, Glenn. <laughs> you know, uh, she uh, she leaves out the the most important part of the entire line uh, that begins uh, that famous phrase: uh, the right to life, uh, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And she also left out uh, uh, endowed by their Creator with certain. Unalienable rights among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So I guess if you're out there promoting abortion on the anniversary, the 50th anniversary of, of Roe v. Wade, uh, it, uh, it sure seems blatant on the part of, of our vice president. 
Well, I think、um, that seems like if you were taking a test in school, you might get a few points marked off for that. So she, maybe she didn't do so well in social studies. But, you know, hey, I guess that means that you can still amount to something if you're not doing well in school. But those are very, very important parts of the Declaration of Independence. So we have to make sure that、uh, we're quoting the whole thing, not just picking and choosing what we want to hear. Absolutely. And the, these rights don't just come to us、uh, because we're Americans, they come to us. Uh, because uh, we are endowed by our Creator,、uh, by the good Lord. And that,、uh, those are two just、uh, incredible omissions,、uh, Glenn. Well, a friend of mine was the campaign manager for Alan Keyes, who's run for president over 25 years ago. But uh, uh, this guy interviewed、uh, a fair amount, and he said, at that level of politics, nothing happens by accident. You know, I mean, there can be、uh, you know, natural disasters that politicians have to deal with when they're in charge and things like that. But Uh, some of the man made things not by accident, whether it's when、uh, documents are found missing and reported,、uh, when、uh, speeches are written at that level.、Uh, nothing done, he says, by, by accident. But、uh, we don't know if by accident or, or what reason that、uh, honeybees have had a hard time the last several years.、Uh, their number is dwindling, but they're very important for pollinating things and、uh, helping things to grow around the U.S. and around the world. And, and now, not wanting to be left out in all the talk of vaccines over the past few years, There's a new vaccine, guys, for, for honeybees, and this could make life a little, little sweeter for them.、Uh, there's a certain virus that was identified as causing higher mortality and colony collapse for the bees, so the vaccine distributed through a, a sugary, dough like substance. And maybe had the COVID vaccine been distributed through a, a sugary, dough like substance, you know, I mean, if it came on donuts or something like that, we all wouldn't have had as,、uh, as much difficulty. I don't know. I'm just thinking of、uh, some bees that probably, I don't know if they got vaccines or not, but this, these are the wrong kind of bees, right, Glenn? This is the BGs, not the, the bees that make honeybees. That's very, a little bit different. <laughs> it's early. It's okay.、Uh, it's they're, okay. They're so close sometimes. Uh, uh, but, you know, they're trying to stay alive. So, I don't know. There's still a connection, I think. Yeah, they don't have to uh, deal uh, with needles, which、uh, bees themselves uh, uh, use uh, to sting people. So,、uh, interesting take on、uh, the honeybee vaccine,、uh, Glenn. All right. Hey, just、uh, you know, turning over every leaf to, to find the stories for you. Sometimes there's bees under there, so beware. <laughs> beware. No pun intended. All right. As always,、uh, thanks, Sarah and Glenn. We、uh, begin every morning、uh, always in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Quick reminder you can always find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. And、uh, of course, you can always send us an email if you have any、uh, questions or, or thoughts you want to share with us. Morningair at relevantradio.com. Our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, it's 888 914 9149. 
Now, as Catholics, we're all on a journey to be saints. At least that is what we strive for every day. That's what the Second Vatican Council calls the universal call to holiness. Just last week, Pope Francis declared six Catholics as venerable servants of God uh, on a Thursday, moving each one of them one step closer to canonization. Joining us live from our nation's capital is Catholic writer Laura Di Maria to tell us uh, much more about an Italian stigmatic uh, 420th century priest and a holy lay woman. Laura is a nonprofit management professional living in uh, the metro Washington, D.C. area. She's a revert to the Catholic faith at her personal website, lauradimaria.com. She writes on topics about personal development, uh, spiritual study, and living the Catholic faith in daily life. Good morning, Laura. Thanks so much for joining us. It's good to be with you once again. Good morning, John. Thanks for having me. It's very good to be here. Well, Laura, this is an interesting uh, topic. You know, we, we all love to hear stories of uh, of holy people uh, on their journey to becoming saints. Um, why is it uh, great to have examples of, of folks uh, in different uh, vocations uh, that live their lives uh, with heroic virtue? That's a great question. And to me, the answer is just because it gives us hope. You know, as you mentioned, we really are all on this journey to holiness. We're all called to sainthood. And it can seem like a really difficult thing or really far off, hard to achieve. But when you see others presented, put forward to us who have who have accomplished that same thing or who are on their way to accomplish that same thing, it gives us a sense of this is attainable and and this is how, you know, and in a lot of ways, it really just comes down to really loving God and serving others, which is certainly something that this group of six new on their way to be saints have in common. I've always thought of uh, saints kind of like in sports in baseball, the Hall of Famers of uh, of our faith, you know, mm-hmm. the best of the best. And so uh, uh, these uh, six uh, people uh, have been nominated. They're on their way to being in our Catholic uh, Spiritual Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. And so we can look at them and say, what what was it that they did that was so remarkable? And another thing, too, about any saints, including this group, a lot of times those remarkable things are are not extraordinary in the sense that our world looks at things as being extraordinary or remarkable. You know, our world values money and power and fame and things like that. But I mean, you could be a hermit who interacted with very few people on a day-to-day basis, you know, who didn't have your name and lights anywhere. And yet that's the holiness that we seek. That's the really remarkable thing about a lot of people who end up becoming saints. All right, let's uh, start out uh, with the first one, a venerable servant of God, uh, Bertilla Antonazzi. Uh, Who was this young girl? So she was a modern holy person. She was born in 1944, and then she died at the age of 20 at 1964. And, you know, this is, uh, I believe of all of these, she, uh, or no, there's a couple that where you can actually, you know, Google them and you can see pictures of them. And I kind of love that, you know, because again, if we're trying to think about, are these people relatable to us? You can go look and see, you know, she's, she's not on a prayer card with her hands folded and a halo around her head. She's, she's lying in a hospital bed, you know, because a lot of her life was actually defined by her illness. And so her cause for canonization is directly related to her, not just the fact that she was sick, but that she used that illness. And she decided her mission in life was to console those who suffered and to bring sinners closer to God. 
So at the age of 20, just before she died, she made a pilgrimage to Lourdes and she asked the Blessed Virgin Mary for the gift of holiness rather than healing. And then she she died shortly thereafter. And another interesting thing, particularly about this group of six who are now on the path to sainthood, she's the only one who is a layperson. You know, she lived a brief life. She never entered religious life, but she was able to, in her daily actions and in the way that she directed her life, you know, her life was always ordered towards God. And that's something that we can learn from. She was so young and yet she can uh, teach us uh, so much. Uh, Let's Mm -hmm. uh, talk about Sister Maria Margarita of the Incarnate Word, uh, as someone who, like uh, Padre Pio, uh, had the stigmata. Right. Yeah. And also, I'll just mention, you know, all these saints have these amazing names. These are these beautiful Italian and Spanish names. They're just beautiful to say. So Sister Maria Margarita, uh, similar to our first saint, um, or almost Saint Bertilla, in that she was young, she was Italian, but a totally different place in life. So she was a religious sister. She was a contemplative nun, and she was known for her extraordinary spiritual gifts. So she was living in the mid-1600s. She passed away in 1677. So she had stigmata. She had spiritual ecstasies. She received visions and prophecies and, and was very extraordinary in that sense. And similar to a lot of other saints that we know of who had these same extraordinary mystical abilities, What's important is that she was obedient to her spiritual advisor, you know, so kind of like St. Therese was asked to write down the story of her life. Uh, Sister Maria Margarita was asked to write down her visions and what she experienced, and she was obedient to her uh, her spiritual advisor. So we see that in a lot of saints' lives, too. They're, they're obedient to their community, to their spiritual advisor, to the church as a whole. And that's another thing for us to, to think about. And obviously, uh, she lived uh, in, uh, in the mid uh, to, to later uh, 1600s, so uh, a different mm-hmm. uh, perspective uh, than our first uh, uh, venerable servant of God. Yep, exactly. All right, now the next uh, four that we're going to talk about, um, the next uh, servants of God uh, are all 20th century priests. Uh, let's start uh, with a, a Spanish priest, uh, Father Vincente López de Uralde. See, you can say that one really pretty. <laughs> you said that one really nicely. Um, yeah, so another 20th century saint. So he was born in 1894. He left this world in 1990. He was Spanish. He was a priest. He was a confessor, and he was known for being a confessor. And he also had a strong Marian devotion. So he spent 62 years as a teacher and a chaplain at St. Philip Neri College in, uh, in Spain. And he also, there was an, an episode during his life where he was in the midst of the Spanish Civil War and he protected the Blessed Sacrament. And then he died at 96. So this was someone who lived his life in his vocation as a priest. He died at a very late age and, you know, was kind of your basic uh, parish priest and teacher and chaplain. And I think particularly for our priests who are listening to this, we do have several fathers um, who are on the path to canonization. But if you are, if you yourself are a priest and you're a confessor or you're trying to grow in your Marian devotion, you may consider praying to Father Vicente because those were things that he had on lock. You know, those were defining characteristics of who he was. Um, The next uh, holy uh, priest from the 20th century is uh, Father Gaetano Francesco Mauro, an Italian uh, who uh, served as a military chaplain in World War I and uh, was imprisoned in Austria. What what else can you tell us uh, about this uh, very holy priest? 
Yeah, so with Father Gaetano, we're back with our, our Italian friends in this group. So he was born 1854. He passed away in 1922, so another kind of modern uh, priest. And he is really well known for founding an association of, it was called the Royal Catechist Association, and it was a group of priests and lay people both working together. And so they dedicated their lives to, in this ministry, to teaching the catechism to farmers and others who lived in remote areas. So that's a kind of neat, special thing. You know, we forget that there are people in really remote places. There's, there's still a need today, in whether in the U.S. or other parts of the world, for people to hear the gospel. And so, as you mentioned, he was also a military chaplain in World War One. He was in prison in Austria. And then we have this one other detail of his life. Even though he, he didn't pass away until he was 81, it, it looks like based on some of his writings, his personal writings, that he suffered from depression and feelings of anguish and inadequacy and, and desolation that really intensified in the last years of his life. So this priest, Father Gaetano, he wasn't immune to some of the spiritual desolation or just emotional desolation that a lot of us can feel in day-to-day -day life. And I mean, no wonder, I'm sure he saw a lot of pretty memorable things as his time as a military chaplain in the, in the First World War. But again, that's another point that we can relate to. You know, this is someone who, despite that mental anguish and that depression and anxiety, he was able to move past that and to be recognized for his holiness in this world. And uh, we have yet a, another uh, holy priest from the 20th century, a servant of God, uh, Spanish Father Miguel Costa y Llobera. Uh, tell us about him. Yep. So uh, Father Miguel was born into a noble family in Spain. So he's the, the first one that we've got that is kind of coming from a totally different walk of life. And I always love hearing about saints who are born into nobility or money or they're expected to do something. You know, they're going to serve the family business or they're going to own all the lands and then they just walk away from it. And that's essentially what Father Miguel did. So initially he did father, he followed his father's wishes to become a lawyer, but he left, he had this spiritual crisis that just left him with this deep feeling of dissatisfaction. And he realized he was being called to be a priest, uh, despite opposition from his family. So he went on to become a priest. He became a professor of sacred archeology span and the history of literature. And he was also a great poet, which is another great, beautiful detail. Um, so he was born in 1854. He died in 1922, actually at the pulpit while he was giving a homily. Um, so he, he, answer God's call in a really literal way, you know, and, and we always want to remember just because God is calling you, that doesn't mean you have to become a priest or a religious sister. God calls us in all kinds of different ways, but his life was remarkable for the way that he walked away from really the world's goods and chose God's goodness instead. Laura, I find it uh, fascinating that uh, uh, Father Miguel died at the pulpit. Uh, uh, from mm -hmm. what I understand, he, he died while he was giving a homily um, on mm -hmm. the uh, 300th anniversary of the canonizations of St. Teresa of Avila, of all people, one of the mm -hmm. uh, all-time great uh, saints, doctor of the church, and here he is uh, giving a, a, a sermon, and he dies at the pulpit. Again, a, a God incident for, for this holy priest. Mm -hmm. And I imagine in that moment, he probably died very happy. You know, he was in, in the in the moment of his highest calling of a priest of giving the mass, but I'm sure it was a little bit disruptive for everybody else who was there that he just passed away. <laughs> yeah, and the the final one of, uh, of these six uh, very holy people that we're talking about is a servant of God, uh, Italian Father Giovanni Barra. Uh, tell us about uh, Father Giovanni. 
So Father Giovanni is another one of our 20th century almost saints. He was born in 1914 and passed away in 1975. He was a preacher, a writer, a journalist, and very similar to Pope St. John Paul II in that he opened this institute called the Casa Alpina, which was a retreat center in the Alps where young people and families came together to pray in the summer. He was also very devoted to offering spiritual direction and formation for seminarians. So young priests, families, young couples, children, he had that charism of being able to really reach out and interact with people in, in kind of in the same way that St. John Paul II did too. Um, his life was long-ish. He died at 61 after a medical procedure, but he left behind some of his writings. And before he died, he had wrote, when I, he had written, when I look back, I feel a wave of joy and gratitude rising in me from my heart. I am truly a happy priest in my priesthood. So he loved and embraced his vocation, um, lived it in relationship and, and in community with others as he brought people together for their own spiritual formation. It occurred to me uh, that Father Giovanni was a writer and a journalist. He probably uh, prayed uh, to uh, St. Francis de Sales, who we mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. honoring on this day, uh, the great uh, uh, patron saint of journalists and other writers, which would include you, uh, uh, Laura. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that reminder. And, you know, as we were getting started and you mentioned St. Francis de Sales, you know, I said a little prayer to him to help this conversation go well. And I think that you can do the same for, for all six of these people here now. You know, I mean, they aren't quite saints yet, but, but they actually need our prayers because if it is God's will, we want them to become saints themselves so that they can intercede for us as St. Francis de Sales and as all the other great saints do as well. Is it too early to ask any one of these uh, six servants of God uh, to pray for us, to ask for their intercession? I, I would imagine that uh, they are in heaven since uh, they're on their way mm -hmm. uh, to uh, full holiness and to canonization. Yeah, so not at all. And really, I, I think that we should be praying for their intercession. So in order to be beatified, they each need to have a miracle attributed to their intercession. You know, so a, a miraculous healing usually is, is a lot of what gets saints on the path to sainthood. So so definitely, you know, entrust your needs to these individuals, and it may help them on, on their path to sainthood as well as help you in your needs. Well, Laura, I really appreciate you uh, joining us here uh, th this morning. Uh, a fascinating discussion about uh, these very uh, six uh, holy uh, servants of God. Th thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, and thank you for the opportunity to discuss these new friends that we have. Of course, and you can always go for much more to uh, laurademaria.com. We need to take a short break. When we come back, Bishop Brendan Cahill, the Bishop of the Diocese of Victoria, Texas, uh, will be with us uh, to talk about the value of retreats for everyone, not just bishops and priests. So stay with us. There's much more to come on this Tuesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149.
And welcome back to Morning Air on the Memorial of St. Francis de Sales, uh, the great bishop and doctor of the church. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and producer Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Tuesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. The Apostle St. Paul writes... My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. These verses are a powerful reminder that God's grace is all we need. No matter the challenge, no matter the hardship, His grace is sufficient. When we feel really weak, like we just can't go on, that's when we're really strong, if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. A number of you want to be part of the program, 888 Now, here on Morning Air, we have encouraged people to go on a retreat, to disconnect from the world and connect with God uh, in the past. But uh, do you know that even Priests and bishops need to go on a retreat as well. Have you ever felt like uh, you're just too busy, you just don't have the time to go on a retreat? Well, we're going to talk about the the beauty and the importance of retreats here uh, this morning. Joining us live is uh, Bishop Brendan Cahill, uh, who uh, just directed a retreat for priests just last week and is going to share uh, some of his thoughts on the value of retreats for everyone. Bishop Cahill is the third bishop of the Diocese of Victoria, Texas. He's also the bishop promoter for Stella Maris, the Seafarers Ministry. Your Excellency Bishop Cahill, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Uh, always a joy to be with you. Oh, great. It's great to be with you, John. How are y'all doing today? Uh, doing doing blessed. Uh, just counting my blessings, as uh, as we always do here every morning. And, uh, you know, I thought before we would talk about retreats, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, one of really the all-time, uh, you know, great uh, saints in our faith, uh, a fellow uh, brother bishop, uh, St. Francis de Sales, bishop and doctor of the church. Uh, any thoughts on, on what a great uh, spiritual director uh, he was. Well, I, I think it was beautiful. Obviously, the, the famous work he has, Introduction to the Devout Life, and in a sense, giving us focus in, in what we do, our, our daily activities. And then our daily activities are our spiritual activities. That each day, you know, even as you read that beautiful reading from, from St. Paul, you know, it, it's working with Christ and trusting in Christ as we go through the day. And then St. Francis de Sales, as a great spiritual leader, he, he would tell us how to direct your, your daily activity in light of your relationship with Jesus, which is obviously the most foundational for everything. Yeah, he's, a, he's such an inspiration for so many people, and I especially like the fact that he's the patron saint of journalists and other writers. And so uh, obviously we need uh, his prayers here uh, this morning on, on, on the show. Well, absolutely. And, and that's right. Well, you know, writing is actually pretty hard to do. You know, if some people don't realize it says, to focus on the point you want to make and to, to make it well. And uh, it is that you need the inspiration and, and, and the guidance as you're writing a story or whatever the, 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 the thing is we want to communicate. And, and, you know, for him, obviously it gets back to the focus that the most important relationship 
in our lives is Jesus Christ and to focus on interpreting our events, our daily activities in light of what is it teaching us about Jesus on the journey. And so even, you know, you just see our, our, the ups and downs of life. You can look back and see the Lord has been involved, the Lord is present, and that we can find him if, if we're looking for him in the daily activities we have. Well, Your Excellency, uh, you just uh, recently uh, directed a retreat for, for a priest just last week. Uh, can you share with us what that experience was like, and, uh, and how often do you uh, direct uh, re- retreats uh, for uh, fellow priests? Well, it's a beautiful experience. You know, it's a, a um, kind of a traditional thing. As a priest, you know, we make an annual retreat, uh, usually five days um, of uh, reflective time, and we do it— um, it depends different dioceses or different religious orders, how, how they want to organize it or, or do it. But ours, we um, have a session. We have a retreat center uh, down here in Victoria. And uh, we had kind of five days where I'd have a couple of talks each day in the daily mass, have adoration, have one night for, for confessions uh, and penance service. And it's just a, um, a quiet, reflective time. And, like, you take a theme— so what I want to focus on this year with, with our priest was the gift of faith and reflecting on, on Pope Benedict, Pope Benedict, you know, with his passing, kind of looking back on his life and his writings and how, in my view, he focused so much on his personal friendship with Jesus as foundational. So even like talking about St. Francis, you know, you, if you look at all the events of your life and how do you uncover Jesus being present through all of them? And so I had, you know, some different uh, scriptures from Gospel of John, that, that Last Supper discourses, First Letter of John, that talk about how we've come to know and believe, and so we proclaim to you that there's a personal relationship that we bring to the world in Jesus Christ. So on one hand, you have some content, but like for me, if I'm directing a retreat, I don't want to overdo the content, just want to give a little bit and allow time for the retreatants to, to pray, you know, to have their own um, time in the chapel, time um, journaling, writing, writing down, you know, their experiences, and um, to, to reflect together on it. So for me, I, I guess it's a beautiful experience, number one, of that personal experience of Christ that, that calls each of us, created us from our mother's womb, leads us through the ups and downs of life, and is always by our side. And then with priests in the diocese, with communion with one another, like, like a brotherhood, that you're praying for each other, uh, supporting each other. And in a sense, it, it, it builds your community of service together. Your Excellency, uh, Bishop Cahill, um, how many uh, priests uh, came to this five-day retreat? And uh, can you kind of take us uh, through uh, what, uh, what they went through, uh, you, what was kind of like the, the daily schedule? I know you, you, you touched on the fact that there was a daily Mass and adoration and a lot, lots of prayer. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good for us. I mean, we, we had... Of course, I think what the bishop leads that you get perfect attendance. It's with everybody. Um, it's about 50, 51 priests. So 28 the first week, 23 the second week. Um, and then, like on, on Sunday, you, you gather Sunday evening, have an introduction to the conferences. Um, time for social, too. I mean, you, you, it's not a, like a strict silent retreat. Like, some of different retreats, sometimes a Jesuit retreat center. You might have a more strict silence. Ours, there's social time. And so Sunday evening got together. Everyone, you know, after it's kind of beautiful. After the holidays, we're pretty busy and get together and see everybody. Then on uh, Monday morning, 
we'd be, we'd again, we'd be like our first conference, like nine, nine o'clock, you know, so not too early, uh, have breakfast at eight that, uh, I, I tend to say, I don't want to speak more than half an hour. Um, so it may be nine o'clock morning prayer by nine forty-five, uh, time for prayer and reflection. Then eleven fifteen we'd have math each day. Uh, Twelve noon would have lunch. Then the afternoon it's kind of open and free. So uh, at least if I'm stru- structuring it, I don't want to overload the schedule. It's like four o'clock we have a our second conference, and then um, uh, then we have a dinner at six. And like at um, uh, 7.30 at night, have a holy hour and um, adoration. And on one of the nights, have a penance service. Have some confessors there uh, for the priest. And then, like what I'll do, I, I, I tend to think spiritually, you know, the first day is sometimes you just need rest. You know, you've been busy, all preoccupied with stuff. And so I focus on what I call the call, uh, how Jesus has spoken to you personally out of the events of your life. And so I use a couple examples of, of like saints or uh, people, just writings that they have and how they discover Jesus in the ordinary events of their life, maybe made a commitment or, or something like that to, to Christ. And then um, I do a whole day, like second day, I, I use call it contrition, you know, praying for sorrow for our sins, um, that in a sense that we are creation's beautiful, good, God's created humanity the best. But we're broken and, and we're sinners and we're part of a, a sinful world. And to get insight into it and to kind of pray, look into our hearts where we need God's healing grace and to spend a day on, on that. And then um, the, the movement from there, at least for me, is like from contrition. I use the word glorification, the glory of the human person who has received the mercy of God and reflects that in his or her life, you know, that you want to out to the world to proclaim, yeah, I, I have known and I believe in God, and God is good, and God loves humanity, and um, even in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our brokenness, that God cares for all of us and for all creation. So it wants us to try to have a, a movement spiritually, and then have space for individuals, how they're moving in their lives, because everyone is on a different part of the journey. Your Excellency, uh Priests are under a lot of pressure. There's a lot of responsibilities. Uh, how uplifting is it for the priests in your diocese to be able to get together for this annual retreat? Why, why are retreats so important uh, for priests to recharge their, bat- their batteries uh, spiritually? Yeah, well, well one, it's just, it's just the, the sense of we've got to remember the foundation of our vocation is a personal call and invitation from, from our Lord. And, you know, I remember one time I was at a, um, a vocations event, and the speaker asked the, the women religious and the priest to stand up, when, like, how old they were when they first heard the call. And so she said, how many of y'all were between 5 and 13 years old? And a lot of us were that young. You know, a lot of us at a young age felt this attraction, felt this call to serve. Then she said, how many were, like, you know, 13 to 18, how many were 18 to 25, how many were older than 25? And it's kind of interesting. We all have different calls and different journeys. Yet, uh, as we reflect upon it, uh, God is the one directing it. And, you know, even that, that scripture you're reading as the introduction of Paul to the Corinthians, uh, I think we all in our own way have learned in life that 
our greatest power is in our weakness, that God has called us as we are, and when we surrender completely to God, uh, Christ is extremely powerful within us. And um, for us as, as priests, as the Isisan priests, to think about the blessing, to, to celebrate the Eucharist, to um, have the sacramental life, the confessions and the healing, um, the anointing of the sick in the hospitals and nursing homes, that take time to reflect on the depth of that ministry. Um, you know, some days we get caught on the day-to-day, like, I got to go here, there, 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 there. And to take a, a, a week to reflect upon, uh, oh, my goodness, Lord, you, you've chosen me. And you're working through me each and every day. And then the other, that I say spiritually, is so important too, that we realize we're doing it in communion with others. That it's not just me. uh, There's a a support, a fraternity, uh, supporting each other in prayer in our ministry. I want to invite uh, our listeners, uh, if you uh, have any thoughts on the importance of retreats, and not just for uh, priests and uh, and bishops, but also for lay people. If you've gone to a retreat uh, recently, you'd like to share your experience with us. If you have any other uh, comment or question about retreats for uh, His Excellency Bishop Cahill, the Bishop of the Diocese of Victoria, Texas, uh, we're taking your calls at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short time out as we continue our conversation with Bishop Cahill. Stay with us. There's much more to come on the other side. This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 888-914-9149 is our number. 888-914-9149. We're talking about retreats. We've been talking about uh, retreats uh, for uh, priests and the clergy that uh, they do annually in the Diocese of Victoria, Texas. Obviously, retreats are not just uh, for priests and bishops. There's great value for everyone as we continue our discussion with His Excellency Bishop Brendan Cahill. Um, Excellency, I wanted to uh, shift gears and talk a little bit about um, uh, the the value of retreats uh, for everyday Catholics. Obviously, uh, they're great for priests, and they they need them. But uh, can you talk about why this is uh, something that's important uh, for every Catholic? Oh, my goodness, absolutely. And it's very similar, uh, same idea, is to give focus and structure in our daily lives, our daily activities. That that so often, you know, our minds get filled with work and with what we're doing, our our regular day-to-day run, run, run. To take time out and to focus on God in the midst of all our activities. And so um, it could be, say you have a retreat center um, in your diocese, that you could go for a couple of days, have spiritual direction. So, so for example, like in San Antonio, they have a, uh, a retreat center called St. Peter Upon the Waters. They've trained spiritual directors. They have places you can go to get spiritual direction uh, for your life. And sometimes you do a, a two- or three-day retreat because, um, obviously, busy schedules. Maybe it's hard to get a whole week away, but to get two or three days. And probably if you look in your area, you probably could see a retreat center where you could do that to, to, to get away, kind of refocus your life, focus on, on Christ. Then the other thing is in your parish. Like, you know, Lent will be starting in, what, three or four weeks? 
and you probably have a parish mission. And if you haven't been to your parish mission before, that's a great way in your daily life to spend a couple hours at the church uh, during Lent to focus and help your Lent be even deeper and richer and understand your need for Christ in your life. And so I'll be leading a parish mission at, at a church, uh, St. Edward's in Spring, Texas, in March. And um, it's like, uh, you, you know, you preach the one weekend, then the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but also a lot of time for, for confession as we're looking through our lives. Um, I say, yeah, I, it's, it's extremely valuable. And that it's probably in your area, maybe look for a, a, a retreat center that has a variety of retreats that are available uh, for you, for your own spiritual growth. Well, Excellency, uh, we have a friend of uh, Relevant Radio and Morning Air uh, who listens all the time. And in fact, he has personally been inviting me to go to a... uh a uh, silent retreat, uh, famous uh, by the, the Jesuits in St. Ignatius of Loyola uh, for some time, and I just haven't been able to make it. Uh, Royal is joining us uh, from Chicago. Good morning, Royal. Uh, you're on uh, with His Excellency Bishop Cahill. Good morning, John. Good morning, Your Excellency. And John, I'm still hoping and praying that you will join me at Bellman. And uh, Bishop Cahill, we have a terrific retreat center just north of Chicago. It's called the Bellament Retreat Center. It's in Barrington, Illinois. Their website uh, for your listeners is jesuitretreat.org. It's jesuitretreat, all one word, .org. And John, I just finished my 36th annual retreat at Bellament, and our retreat master was Father Jim Kabicki, and he was terrific. Uh, And for those of you who haven't been to Bellament, the grounds are beautiful. Um, I go a three-day retreat. We start Friday uh, evening. And we go till Sunday morning. We have Mass every day. We have an opportunity for confessions. There's benediction, rosary, stations of the cross, opportunity for confession, and private talks uh, with a, a priest. Uh, this year, John, we also had a showing of the new movie by the Knights of Columbus on Mother Teresa. If you haven't seen it, it's a really wonderful, powerful movie. But I encourage all of your listeners to make a retreat. I'm still praying, John, that you'll make one with me at Barrington, in Be- uh, Bellman and Barrington. I so much appreciate uh, your prayers and your persistence, Royal, my brother, uh, Bishop Cahill. Uh, this uh, brings up uh, the whole question of uh, a silent retreats uh, compared to the non-silent type. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, the distinction? Oh, my goodness, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it, it, thank you for speaking about that retreat center, the Bellarmine Retreat Center by Chicago. But let me tell you a little story about myself. I, I was ordained a priest 25 years. And uh, I have a fraternity of priests I meet with, and uh, I was talking about it that, you know, I felt like I wanted to do a 30-day silent retreat, you know, to really reflect on my life. And every year I'm like, oh, too busy, can't get away, too busy, can't get away. And finally, uh, 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 Fred, he said, well, what would be your best day to leave? And I said, well, December 26th, because January is kind of quiet. He said, okay, the retreat center will be open for you. And I did a a 30-day Ignatian retreat. Silence, uh, discipline, um, to me, it's more profound because there's a discipline, of, a structure of an Ignatian retreat. It could be five days, eight days, 30 days. It could be directed, they call it 19th annotation. It could be directed, you know, over the year where you just take some time e- each week. And so um, I-, I would imagine, like Royal probably could tell more about the, the structure that they offer, but they offer different ways of, 
um, really going interior in your life to focus, guided by scriptural meditations uh, that take you from uh, creation all the way to, you know, heaven and hell, like like what is our destiny? And so uh, um, the Ignatian Retreat, I I think, is extremely powerful. And if you have a a Jesuit retreat center nearby um, or, or, or a retreat center that has trained Ignatian spiritual directors. Um, I, I think they're fantastic. Um, Excellency, can you talk about uh, silence? I know this is something that uh, the saints have talked about over the years. Uh, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta uh, said once that silence gives us a new vision of all things. How about the importance of silence if you can go to a silent retreat? Well, I, I, I say two things. One is um, you do silence every day. So uh, I remember as a younger priest, I remember talking to my spiritual director that I felt like spiritually I was, I was being dry because I felt I was working too hard. And he's like, Brendan, what do you do each day when you wake up? I'm like, well, I make coffee, I read the paper, put on the news. He said, well, your first thing should be about God. And, I mean, 30 years, I've always remembered that point. So each morning, you can start with, if it's five minutes, ten minutes, an hour, don't don't start with having reading the paper or watching the news. Just start reflecting on God, and so silence can become part of your daily activity. And then the 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 sense of a retreat is you have like a a, a full days of silence where it might take two or well for me I mean it takes two or three days just to slow down my mind, and then like the third or fourth day can can really begin to be open. And so I say a, a five day retreat really just is, is fantastic. Another thing I've learned over the years, I may go into a retreat, and this is Ignatius, you're, you're praying for a particular grace, you know, saying, um, at one, one year, I want a retreat, I was going to become the rector of a seminary. So what do the seminarians need? Do they need, you know, this program, that program, whatever? And the grace I received was, they need to know they're loved, like, like any of us, and to focus on love. And so, it's like a bright light, you know, and so sometimes it's it's just the silence can deepen within your heart to tune you to the deeper movements of Jesus in your life. Excellency, uh, in addition to um, silence, uh, what about uh, fasting from uh, things like the internet, social media, instant messaging uh, as a way to really calm down your, your soul and, and make that connection with our Lord? Uh, Oh my goodness! Again, that that could be a daily activity too, because I think that's just a like daily examine of conscience. You know, you, you want to look at what have I been intaking for my information today, and how much time have I been spending on, you know, images of reality as opposed to the reality of the person in front of me. And you know, the more, at least for me, I mean, the more I withdraw from those external things, the more the more attentive I am to the reality of, of God in the daily interactions with my people at work, with the people uh, at the Starbucks, with people at wherever I go, that I begin to realize, oh, oh my God, your beauty is revealed all over the place. Bishop Cahill, can you give us a, a word of encouragement uh, on uh, why making a retreat uh, this year could be a, a great uh, uh, New Year's uh, resolution, a spiritual resolution, even though the year has already begun? Oh, my, yeah, I, I would say, and it could be, it could just be 
one one day or two days. So that, that's right. As we're talking about these 30-day retreats, five-day retreats, sometimes, oh, I can't do it. You can focus on just this one day, and the value is uh, Jesus Christ is alive and real. He rose from the dead. He appeared to the disciples. We're part of the church. That is Pope Benedict put in his last will and testament. The church, flawed as she is, is the body of Christ. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life for the world. And he wrote, he said, ups and downs of life, God is always present. It just helps you focus on that. I think that that's uh, what it's really all about, that that personal relationship and connection uh, with our Lord. Uh, Excellency Bishop Cahill, can you give us your blessing? Uh, yes. Uh, thank you, John, again. Uh, Lord God, send forth your Holy Spirit upon all those listening today. May you know the, the peace and the presence of Christ in your life, who always is walking with you on the journey. May he enlighten your minds and your hearts so you may praise him throughout this day, bringing you healing and hope in the midst of our world. May Almighty God bless you and your families, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Your Excellency. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for all your words of wisdom here this morning. Oh, God bless you, John, all your listeners. Pray, let's keep each other in prayer and, and trust in our Lord walking us through our lives. For sure. His Excellency Bishop Brendan Cahill, the Bishop of the Diocese of Victoria, Texas. Now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today, When Parents Grow Old. Let them grow old with the same love they let you grow. Let them speak and tell repeated stories with the same patience and interest that they had in yours as a child. Let them overcome, like so many times when they let you win. Let them enjoy their friends just as they let you. Let them enjoy the talks with their grandchildren because they see you in them. Let them enjoy living among the objects that have accompanied them for a long time because they suffer when they feel that you tear pieces of this life away. Let them be wrong like so many times you've been wrong and they didn't embarrass you by correcting you. Let them live and try to make them happy this last stretch of the path they have left to go. Give them your hand just like they gave you their hands when you started your path. Exodus 20:12. honor your father and your mother that you may have a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Thanks so much, Glenn. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, Professor Harry Kramer will explain why he thinks that Shopify's move to eliminate meetings is the right move. Plus, our resident lavologist Martha Fernandez-Sardina will continue our discussion on living a faith-filled, hope-anchored, and love-driven life. So stay with us. There's a lot more to come in the final hour of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.